Welcome back, everybody. I know it has been a little bit of a break, but we were all over the place last week due to the holidays. Some of us aren't even back. So if you don't hear Traden's voice, it's because he's not here. Uh, Tyler, you were in Washington. You went to visit your mama and your sis and your fiance and your dog came. How were your travels and how were your holidays and all the things? All the things. Uh, it was great. Um, it was really great to visit uh, my mom and sister up there. My sister's been living there for a little bit, but my mom just moved there in September. Uh, she got her own little place. Really beautiful. It's a perfect little spot for her. Uh, right, right by this beautiful lake. Um, so it was really cold. Um, kind of the 30s and 40s up there. Um, got a little bit of snow, but not much. Mostly just cold and windy. Uh, but it was still very fun. Uh, had a, had a great time up there. Uh, it was fun seeing all the family. Had all the family all under one roof for. Uh, for, for Christmas, uh, which was super great. That rarely ever happened. So that was super fun. Um, and Ollie did great. He did awesome. We were a little nervous about him flying for the first time, um, but he did, but he did an amazing job. No surprises because he is the goodest boy in the world. So it was awesome. <laughs> great trip. Uh, I would like to point out to all the listeners that Ollie has pooped inside my house before. So he's not the goodest boy in the whole world, but he's mm. still pretty dang good. No, he's a good boy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, James, how was your holidays, your New Year's? Just how you doing? Uh, it, it was good-ish. You know, like you're supposed to get like a little break for work, right? Mm-hmm. I had like two days. Technically, mm-hmm. it was four because it was like the weekend. I was going to have off anyway. So I had Friday off and I had Monday off. So I had a little four-day weekend going on for Christmas. I was uh, supposed to fly home to go see family because, you know, that's what you do once a year, right? Except the Southwest debacle happened. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get home. And it was like, there was no point in going home for a day. So I decided to just cancel my flight. But what they ended up doing was they gave me $600 plus the flight, the cost of the flight going to where I was, plus refunding me the full round trip. So I came out on top. I almost paid $1,000 because I didn't go home. Like that was, that was a little, that was cool. Uh, but it's all in flight credit. So if anybody wants to fly anywhere, let me know. I have a plethora of money right now if Southwest is fixed. Uh, so that was that. And then for New Year's, we went over to Jane's house, had a couple people over, drank a lot of whiskey, and it was a good time. You know, typical New Year's stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Southwest part sounds like not a whole bunch of fun, which I think a lot of people around the country had to deal with. Uh, the whiskey and the trading part does sound like fun. Um, <clears throat> I went to Top Golf. I thought you guys should know, but it was pouring rain. So, you know, my 400 yard drives were down to like 350. shooting them out there to the moon no i i don't even know i wasn't paying attention but we do have like an angry birds game at top golf and that was fun as shit so i if there's one near you and you have money to spend because it does add up pretty quickly especially if you're getting booze uh but no free ads top golf um (laughs) we are going to just jump right into it um as i mentioned trading is not here so it's just three of us today Um, Maybe we'll get trade-ins answers for some of these things a little bit later on. But James, take us away. Um, We're moving past fantasy, I hope, Um, and talking about some like real football things. Yeah, we are definitely past fantasy. We're going to talk a lot about real football things today. But before we get started, it doesn't get any realer than what happened last night in the Bills-Bengals game. Like that was real life stuff. If you haven't seen it yet, which I don't, which I think is impossible at this point because it's everywhere. But uh, Bill's player, safety number three, DeMar Hamlin, 24 years old, got hit in the chest. Um, and then he immediately went into cardiac arrest. He was resuscitated on the field, and he is in cardiac or critical care right now. He is alive, but in critical care. And what I'm hearing is that he's in a coma. So prayers up, everybody, or good vibes, whatever you believe in. Like, it's a, this is the real part of sports here. Um so good, good for everybody else. And the cool thing about how this played out and how Bill's Mafia works, because Bill's Mafia is insane. Um, DeMar Hamlin had a charity that he was kind of sponsoring or trying to get up. And his initial goal before today was like $25,000 in donations to his charity. And as of 30 minutes ago, it's at $5.5 million. Guys, nice. everybody is donating to his charity, and it's incredible. So I love seeing the community come together. And yeah, hard stuff, real stuff. Let's get into some fun stuff, okay? We're going to talk biggest surprises, biggest disappointments, MVP picks, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year picks. And I mean, we're experts, so we know exactly what we're talking about. 
We're going to start off with the biggest surprise of the year. Tyler, which team was the biggest surprise for you? I'm actually going to go with my own Philadelphia Eagles on this one. Um, I knew that they were going to be pretty competitive. I was confident that they were going to fight for a playoff spot. I did not think that they were going to start off 8-0. I did not think that Jalen Hurts would have taken that big of a leap forward and that that A.J. Brown connection would have been so great. Um, and I definitely didn't expect their defense to be as good as they as they, as they have been. Um, so for me, like for them, just not, you know, I like I said, I, I knew they'd be good. I, I knew they'd be competitive, but I, I honestly thought the Cowboys were far and away the favorites to win that division. Um, and the Eagles have pretty much just, you know, taken and run with that um, all season long. Obviously, the last couple of weeks have stumbled a bit, um, but previous to that, only one loss. Um, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so I think for me, they're the biggest surprise of the season. Hmm. I like how you said my team, even though your team is the Rams. Moving on, <laughs> Alex, what was your biggest surprise? Yeah, I'm going to go with just the state. No, the New Jersey. We're going to say the New Jersey football teams, because if you say New York football teams, that counts the Bills. And we all knew the Bills are going to be great because my boy Josh Allen. But so I'm going to pick the New Jersey football teams, which are the Giants and the Jets, because they technically play in New Jersey. Uh I, you know, we did the, we did the, uh, you know, pre-rankings or whatever you want to call them. Um, and we pretty much just shat on both of these teams. Like, I feel like we liked Saquon and that was kind of it between these two teams. Like we liked one player. Um, and now the giants are going to the playoffs. Um, obviously Eric and Daniel Jones are best friends again. Um, the jets are not going to make the playoffs, but I still think overall, like they had a really good shot. They were almost good. They were kind of fighting to it for the last couple <clears throat> couple weeks here um and you know both of those teams have struggled for a really long time and it's cool to see them kind of succeeding um and i don't think any of us expected them to be this good i definitely did not uh so yeah big on them and i still think that the giants are a shit team uh moving on though i think that my biggest surprise would be the jacksonville jaguars currently sitting at eight and eight first place in the afc south so this is a playoff team right now if you think back to last season Worst record in the NFL, 3-14. and 14. They fired their coach. Urban Meyer is gone. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked like he was not going to make it in the NFL. One year later, new coach. Trevor Lawrence looks good. The head coach and the GM are on the same page, and they're winning. It's incredible what happens when things come together. And one year removed from a terrible season, they're not anywhere close to the top half of the draft this year, guys. After being the top half, the number one overall two years in a row, that is a huge surprise and good for them. Moving on to big disappointments, you're going to have to do it. Alex, who are you disappointed in the most? I mean, I'm the most disappointed in my own Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they now have, I believe it's the record for the most losses um, by a team after winning a Super Bowl. But think about the, I'm not, they're not my biggest, they're not my pick because of how many incredibly talented players have been injured on that team. So my pick is the Denver Broncos. They were legit. If their offense had been just anything all season, they could have been incredible. I think I saw at one point if the Broncos averaged like 18 points a game, they would have been eight and one to start the season because their defense was that incredible and their offense was awful. Um, you know, we finally we all talked about it in the in the preseason, like, okay, Russell Wilson's coming in, probably the first competent quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning retired, and it's all gone to shit in the Mile High City. Who's who's fault do you think it is? Is it Russell Wilson's fault or is it Nathaniel Hackett's fault? I mean, probably a little bit of mix, mixture of both. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they kind of I was watching them play the Chiefs last week and they kind of looked a little better. And, you know, that's the first game without Hackett. So maybe there was just a disconnect there. Maybe it will take them a year of like Russ trying to figure things out or he's going to like, you know, do knee high knees all off season <laughs> or whatever. I don't know, but. They got to figure out something, and they're obviously not going to cut him if they just paid him a shit ton of money. So, if Russell Wilson was on the board for you next season, and he was like the last quarterback, would you take him? Uh, I probably wouldn't have him as like my starter, but it feel that feels like a pretty juicy backup to potentially have on your team. Good stuff, Tyler. Your biggest disappointment. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with Alex on this one. I had the same thought process. Obviously, the Rams season was very disappointing but you know if you count just like as, as Alex said, like all the injuries they had it just kind of slowly fell apart and unfortunately you know if, if they had the same team and they had that record the Rams easily would be the 
biggest disappointment, but um, I think because of what Alex mentioned, you know, with, with Russell Wilson coming in, the Broncos seemingly to have this upward uh, trajectory the last couple of years, <clears throat> excuse me. And that, and them having the expectations to definitely be contending for a playoff spot and them not only miss out on the playoffs, but to be this atrocious and just an absolute mess. Um, for me, the Broncos were the biggest disappointment. Um, I think they had just the biggest expectation and the biggest lack of that um, expectation with all the talent um, considered uh, for this season. I initially, when I came up with this question, I initially agree with you guys. I thought the Denver Broncos were like the biggest disappointment in the league. But then if you look at it a little bit closer, they brought in a new quarterback. They have a new system. They have a new head coach. They have all new everything. And you can't put an expectation on that because there was no previous history. It's like, how would Russ fare outside of Seattle? We don't know. How would Nathaniel Hockett be as a coach? We don't know. And all we did was like, oh, they're terrible, but they could have been terrible from the get-go. How are they disappointing to you when it's just the namesake? You know, so that's why I was like, no, my biggest disappointment is the Colts. They're mm-hmm. four, 11, and one. They were one win away from making playoffs last season. And they're nowhere close right now. They had the same coach in Frank Reich, who is now fired and for Jeff Saturday. That was dumb. Uh, but they had the best offensive line. And they had an up-and-coming defense. That all just went to shit this year. For Why? Nobody can tell you why. Matt Ryan was playing good with the Falcons before coming into Indianapolis. He had a track record of being good. And all he needed to do is sit back there and give to Jonathan Taylor. And he couldn't do that. Something went seriously wrong in Indianapolis, and nobody can tell me what it is. They can't score. Now they can't score at all. They haven't scored in like 30-something possessions. There's no JT. He's out for the season. Matt Ryan was benched twice. Coach is fired. <laughs> Guys, it was a dumpster fire of the season in Indianapolis. You guys agree? Yeah, dude, I, I agree. Um, Colts were definitely up there for me, I think. For me, like it's like Rams, Colts, and Broncos were kind of the top three disappointments. Um, I just felt like... I don't know the the Colts for me just I don't all, the last few years just kind of always find a way to screw up. I th- I thought the Broncos I, I I don't know I just felt like they were more disappointing for me. I don't it's just kind of my gut reaction to that. But I agree with you, James. I think the Colts are definitely a close second. I mean, we thought the Colts would be kind of fighting with the Titans for the like the division winner, and now it's the Titans have shit the bed for sure. But now it's like Titans Jags, and like you said, James, yeah, the Colts are nowhere to be seen. And you even you even play with the Texans in your own division, and they're terrible. So yeah, it's it's gone bad in Indy. Moving on to our picks for awards, because we're usually right at this. Honestly, though, like it's actually not that hard to get these correct. Our pick for MVP, Tyler, who you got? All right, it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes, but I want to k- make a case for my boy Jalen Hurts, just oh because of the amazing season he's had. <laughs> Guys, hey. We, we know my history with, with this guy, and you got to admit, he's definitely made strides to approaching that level. I think he's an MVP candidate. I think he should be an MVP finalist. Um, like I said, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, but look at you know the Eagles with and without Jalen Hurts. The, the last couple of weeks, they have not won a game with, without him in there. You know, I, like I said, he, he in terms of his overall quarterback play, his passing is is not at the level of a Patrick Mahomes esque player, but he but he's a great playmaker. He uh, you know, he runs the ball extremely well, and he's just very viable to his team. And obviously, without the season that uh, he's had, the Eagles would be nowhere near as as good as they are. And I think that's really evident with the with the last couple of weeks of him not starting. And um, so for me, I think just in terms of the, you know, I know we argue about what valuable really means, but um, not to say if you take Patrick Mahomes out of the, of the Chiefs starting role, the, the, the Chiefs wouldn't suffer either. But um, I think Jalen Hurts has done a significant job and just the improvement from last season to this season. I think he did, did deserve some um, credit there. That sounds eerily familiar to something you said a couple of years ago. Oh, that's right. You said that about Carson Wentz. Yeah, you said all those same things about Carson Wentz when he was an Eagle. And then now he's not and now you hate him. Huh. <laughs> How much long is it going to take until Jalen Hurts is that guy for you? I don't I don't recall ever praising Carson Wentz. You were in love with Carson Wentz, Charlie. I hate him. You hate him now. See, what, yeah. see exactly what I'm saying. No, he's like, the, how he's, many he's more losses? He's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst person in the world. Wow. Oh. Okay. That's a little aggressive, I think. It's just a tad. <laughs> worst football Alex. player in the world. Alex. <laughs> what oh you got? Yeah, I got Pat Mahomes. Um you know, it's kind of the same same thing, like you said. But if Patrick Mahomes was not on the Chiefs, like the Chiefs would not be sniffing the playoffs most likely. 
Um, and he, and they, lo- he lost his number one wide receiver where Jalen hurts got a number one wide receiver. Pat lost his, I know he still has Travis Kelsey. He has your favorite player, Juju, but, uh, like, I mean, Pat Mahomes is the MVP. I do have a question though. I just thought of who do you think will win an MVP first? My boy, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow or Jalen hurts. Oh man. Uh, okay, honestly, Tyler made some fantastic points there. Um, but the thing about that is, is that, that Josh <laughs> Allen's been doing the exact same thing for years, and that's not expected of him. And so him coming out with this incredible season, they're like, whatever, it's just normal. It should honestly be Josh Allen that wins it first because he's been doing it at this level for a little bit longer than Jalen Hurts has. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with James. I think, honestly, I, I do think that um, Josh Allen probably deserves it more. I think he's just a little bit more of a well-rounded quarterback, I think, compared to Jalen Hurts. Um, I'd, I'd, I, I would, I, I would go Allen Hurts Burrow in that, in that uh, ranking right there. I like that, um, Alex. I agree with you for MVP. It's Patrick Mahomes, like you had mentioned. He lost Tyreek Hill and replaced him with MVS and Juju. Talk about a step down, right? Oh my God! And he's still leading the NFL in passing yards by more than four hundred yards. And he's leading the NFL with 400 passing touchdowns. Numbers alone, like this guy is insane. He is far and away the best player in the league right now. Most valuable, not the best. Offensive player of the year, Alex, who you got? Yeah, we talked about this guy during our wide receiver rankings at the beginning of the season. A lot of us went with my boy Cooper Cup. Unfortunately, he got hurt. We, I think we all said, look, this is 1A and 1B. It's Justin Jefferson. He's had a couple of duds throughout the season. We just saw one last week. Um, to be fair, Sager Alexander's probably the best corner in the league right now. So he did his job. But Jefferson's had an incredible season. Um, the Vikings would not be even close to where they are without him. Um, and because it's the NFL, like MVP pretty much just goes to the best quarterback and offensive player of the year goes to the best other offensive player. I feel like it's been Justin, Justin Jefferson all season. Tyler, who do you have? I'm actually going to go with a different wide receiver, and that's Tyreek Hill. Um, I think just Kim coming into to a, to a new system and and absolutely exploding. I think he set the record for like most receiving yards in his first nine games of the new team or something like that. And he's just having an incredible year. I think him him and Justin Jefferson are kind of neck and neck with the receiving record. I think whoever wins it is probably going to win the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I don't know how close the stats are, but I know those guys are like one two. Um, and you know, I'm going to, you know, admit that I was extremely wrong with Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill. I know in in the, in the, in the preseason fantasy rankings, I don't think I even had him in my top five. Uh, he's definitely kicked my ass on that one. I was very wrong about that. So uh, hats off to you, Tyreek Hill. I think you deserve offensive player of the year. Mine is not going to be a wide receiver and it's actually a big shot of the dark, but my offense player of the year pick is running back Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas Raiders. Your favorite player. My favorite freaking player. <laughs> He's leading the league in rushing, guys. 1,608 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. He also owns the longest run of the year with 86 yards. He's leading the league in rushing when he wasn't even supposed to be the guy. Like, me and Alex were talking about this in our um, fancy stuff when we were like, who are the players you should avoid? And Josh Jacobs was one of them. We were like, he wasn't he wasn't um, extended for this this season. Like, this is going to be his last year as a Raider. They don't trust him. So, obviously, he's not part of the plan. They just got Adams, so they're going to throw more. They drafted a third-round rookie, so they're obviously going to play him more. He's overcome all that adversity and is leading the league in rushing. He is so good that he did all that. That's That tells you a lot about this guy. He's a like a dart throw, for sure, a dark horse. But he should give it, be given some serious consideration for what he's done this season. Defensive player of the year. Tyler, who you got? Uh, I got Micah Parsons on this one. I think this guy oh, has on. been an up-and-comer. And as much as, I mean, he's a cowboy. I don't like to say it, but, you know, I think he deserves it. Um, I know there's some other guys that are that are up there for consideration, but I think just overall this dude is just the most well-rounded and um, the, the best defensive player in the NFL um, this season. So I'm, I'm going to give it to Micah Parsons. Alex. Yeah, well, the best defensive player is Aaron Donald, but he's been hurt. Yeah, I wrote Nick Bosa, comma, dumb, because I don't want him to win because I don't like the Niners, but he's been the leader of that Niners defense, which has been incredible all season. I think we were all kind of eh on the Niners coming into the season. Okay, 
some of us were kind of eh on the Niners. <laughs> weren't really sure what Trey Lance was going to be. Obviously, he got hurt, and that defense has really kind of carried them with all the turmoil on the offensive side. They've obviously figured it out. Uh, but Nick Bosa, 17 and a half sacks. He's having a monster season. Uh, so I guess I'll give it to him. Surprisingly enough, I agree. <laughs> oh, you guys probably did not see that coming. Uh, but one little tidbit I wanted to add on Nick Bosa is that teams literally have two different playbooks on offense. They have a playbook when Nick Bosa's in and a playbook when Nick Bosa's out. That happens consistently because of how much he destroys quarterbacks and offensive lines. That's domination, everybody. And then last but not least, rookie of the year. And just one, not offense or defense, just one rookie of the year. Tyler, who you got? I got Kenneth Walker, uh, Seahawks running back. I think this guy coming in, um, filling in for for an uh, injured guy, and just he's having he's having a great productive season. I think he's been very he's been very consistent since he's been kind of their starting guy. Um, I don't there's really can't really name a rookie that's been as consistent um, as 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 he has. Um, certainly, guys that have probably made some waves too, but I think the whole body of work. I think Kenneth Walker is uh, the uh, rookie of the year. I agree with you. I also have Kenneth Walker, but you have one thing wrong. He's not really filling in for an injured guy. He was supposed to be the guy, but got injured in camp and was making his way back when he filled in for the injured guy. So he is he was drafted to be the dude. Thousand almost a thousand yards, nine touchdowns after missing a couple of games. This team is better with Kenneth Walker in it. Alex. Speaking of teams that have kind of had a little bit of comeback. I have Aiden Hutchinson as my def- uh, rookie of the year. Look, 31 solo tackles, 48 total, seven and a half sacks, three picks. Did not know that until I was researching this. And I was like, bro, what? And two fumble recoveries. We've seen the Lions go from one and seven to eight and eight now. Um, he's kind of been a catalyst on that defense, a team that was, you know, we were all h- kind of a little hyped on. Like, I think we just all really loved Dan Campbell a little bit, but. He's had a monster season for them. Um, maybe Hard Knocks also made me want to kind of pick him because uh, when they focused on him, he seemed like a cool guy. But um, I'm going to go Hutchinson. I love that. And uh, everybody, three picks as a defensive end is exceptionally hard. Yeah. And if you saw what happened last week, it was kind of cool because he was like hiding next to the sideline, kind of popped out of nowhere and got the pick. That was cool. Also, yeah, his family is really cool, a.k.a. hot. Yep, moving on. <laughs> That's the end of my segment. <laughs> All right, James, thank you. Um, the, yeah, last week of the NFL uh, season is coming up this weekend. Um, so next week we'll be doing a little playoff preview, uh, I believe, unless James decides he wants to do something Correct. out of the blue. But, um, yeah, thank you for that. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Um, little fantasy update. Um, I lost because I forgot to set my lineup one day like an idiot. That's like two weeks in a row, man. Tyler won. James won. Trade and lost. So yeah. uh, I'm still in fifth. They're somewhere else down below me, so they'll figure it out. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with fantasy basketball as we go along. Um, speaking of teams that are doing well, um, they've won a couple more than just two in a row. They've won 12 in a row. Uh, I think they're collectively our favorite team on this podcast. Uh, definitely Traden's favorite team. Cause he's not here to tell us otherwise, uh, the Brooklyn, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets have won 12 in a row. Um, obviously I'm being pretty sarcastic because we have bashed them pretty ruthlessly over the last year year and a half at this point um tyler is it is it time that we accept that we were wrong about brooklyn uh, i think it might be unfortunately um they're really shutting us up and i really don't have anything to say that would back up our criticism at the moment um which is really annoying but sometimes that's how life works um <laughs> you know the, the the best way to shut people up is to start winning and that's what exactly what they've done you know you know on, in, in addition to winning the their last 12 in a row they've won 16 of 17 uh really the only team they haven't beat recently is the Boston Celtics uh which are you know they're they're kind of the top, top team that they're trying to chase uh but they did beat the Cavs they beat the Bucks so they beat some really good teams in the east as well 
Katie and Kyrie are playing spectacular. Um, they're getting support from guys like, you know, Simmons, uh, Nick Claxton, Claxton and TJ Warren, which is a guy that we've mentioned a, a few weeks ago. Um, so th- th- I think that they're seem to be clicking. They found some um, chemistry with all those guys and, you know, their stars are playing like stars and that's usually how you win in the NBA. And they're certainly doing that. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely approaching, you know, the, a, a top spot in the Eastern conference. We'll see how, how long the streak is going to last. Um, obviously they're not going to be winning, you know, at that, this rate all season, but they've certainly entered the, the conversation as, um, as, as uh, threats in the uh, Eastern conference. Yeah. It's really annoying that they've done that. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Kyrie is Kyrie, but uh, James KD is playing at an MVP level. Like he might be one or two in the MVP conversation right now, but yeah, just, um, you know, obviously we kind of put a, put our foot in our mouth as they say with the nets. Yes. Was there a question there? No, just, just your thoughts on the whole thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, you're right. KD has been playing at an MVP level. It's insane. Actually, it's, Remember a couple weeks ago, he was like talking about his the starting lineup and how he couldn't get things done because he was naming off all these no names and giving their full name because literally nobody knows who they are. They now have continuity within that starting group and that starting rotation. KD is playing great because he plays better when he's surrounded by those who he can trust and be held accountable. Kyrie isn't saying anti-Jewish things anymore. He is not being a dumbass and talking about the flat earth, he is shutting his mouth and he is getting along with Jack Vaughn, not with Steve Nash because Steve Nash is gone and he's playing at a high level. Him playing at his level and Katie playing at his level is a great pairing because it allows everybody else to just kind of fill in the the gaps, so to say. It isn't Katie just doing everything all the time. It's now split between two people and when you take a load off somebody like that, they play a little bit more stress-free and a little bit better. It happens all the time. Katie's never been the the guy that's good when he's by himself he's always needed help right you saw that when he went to golden state to win a chip he needs some help he's not kobe-esque he's not michael jordan-esque it that's this the way he is he needs help and he's getting it and this team is a lot better for it because he's got help now yeah i mean um you know a couple weeks ago we were doing our power rankings and you know they had won seven or eight in a row and I was looking at the schedule and it was a pretty it was pretty soft like I think they'd only beat teams under 500 and then like Tyler mentioned you know they beat some other kind of big boys in the east and the Cavs and the Bucks so um yeah I think it's time that we sort of accept that we goofed on them um you know I think all of us said in the in our preseason predictions like yeah the Nets aren't going anywhere this season um maybe it was a Steve Nash kind of turmoil I don't I mean it they if we kind of bashed the Steve Nash hiring when it happened I think and now he's gone and we were kind of like what and obviously it seems to have kind of worked for the Nets so they've sort of kind of figured it out um you know they'll have they got to get past the Celtics like Tyler mentioned as well so we'll we'll have to see how it goes but yeah Katie and Kyrie are playing much better together um and the rest of the supporting staff is also playing well um Kind of speaking of a, a big boy on a big team in the East, Donovan Mitchell last night dropped 71 points. Kind of uh, a weird night to drop that with obviously the news going on in that um, Buffalo-Cincinnati uh, game. But uh, And it did take him overtime to get there. I think it was the 12th time in NBA history someone scored 70-plus. Um, the last two to do it were Devin Booker and Kobe. Um, <clears throat> kind of another thing we talked about in the preseason – we didn't really think Donovan Mitchell was like that superstar that the Cavs needed to really be a contender in the East sort of been wrong about that one as well. Um, James. So, you know, I kind of, we want to talk about Donovan Mitchell, obviously it's pretty historic performance, um, but kind of where does he rank now in your, your superstar rankings? Um, 10, 15, 20 top, you know, top what? Before I answer that question, I just kind of want to talk about, you were like, it was a weird night to drop 71, but yesterday as a whole for the NBA was crazy. Donovan Mitchell dropped 71. Klay Thompson dropped 54. DeMar had 44. LeBron had 40, 43. So many high-scoring numbers on a on that day. It was, it was interesting. Uh, but to get back to your question, where does he rank for me? Oof, he is – I don't think he's cracked the top 10 for me yet. Um, I'm pretty sure I can name 10 guys better than he is right now. Maybe top 12. 
I think as soon as he reached Cleveland, he kind of reached that superstar status. Um, like the beginning of the season, like he was going off. He was averaging 30 plus a game, 30 plus an eight, I think. And he was just absolutely destroying teams on his own. And he was taking control of a team and he was making it his. Uh, but I don't think he's reached the top 10 for me. Like I got like, like Braun, right? Braun's up there. Uh, Tatum's up there. Luca, Giannis, Steph, KD, Kyrie. Like those guys are still up there ahead of Donovan Mitchell. I need to see him do this more. Give me another season, like a full season of him playing at this high level. Yeah, man, you top 10. But at this point in time, I've seen what? Not even half a season yet of him playing at this level. I, I need more consistency. Yeah. I mean, you're naming off and Jokic. So, like, yeah, I kind of agree. He's maybe like number 15 for me. He's kind of, uh, I guess, like, eclipse the Utah just shadow that is the Utah jazz, unfortunately, like in the NBA, but Tyler, same question, just thoughts on Donovan Mitchell 71 and kind of like where you see him in the, in the scope of the NBA superstars. Yeah. I'm a little more hype on Donovan Mitchell than you guys are. Um, I think if we're talking like right now, as of today, like if, if I'm thinking who the, who the best players in the NBA and I was looking at, you know, all those stat leaders and everything, and also taking consideration, James, as you mentioned, like, like, you know, more, obviously a lot, there's some guys that are having great, you, anyone can have a great half a season, right? So obviously, you know, putting together the, the, the whole career, um, I actually have Mitchell, this may, may sound absurd, but I have him as my number seventh best player in the NBA, right? Right now. Um, if we're talking about full careers. So, uh, give, like, give the next three behind him. Yeah, like, give me your, give us your list. Okay, then, so I'm, here's the guys who, who, who are the guys who are, who are ahead of him? Uh, I got Giannis, Doncic, LeBron, Embiid, Durant, and Curry. Um, I think he sits in right next to that. You, you didn't uh, have Tatum up there? He, I think him and Tatum right now are neck and neck. I almost put Tatum in Mitchell. And maybe that's recency bias. I understand. No. He's hey, man. Jason Tatum has better numbers now than Donovan Mitchell. What do you mean? I don't think so. I, I'm pretty sure Mitchell has more, has more points per game than uh, Tatum does. You're I looking think. at points? Look at, the, look at it. rebounds and assists. I'm looking at the whole picture, James. I don't have the stats up in front of me, but I had him up earlier. And like that that was the one where I almost put uh, Tatum in, in front of Mitchell, but I decided to, you know, make, make, make a statement here. I'm putting Mitchell ahead of Tatum. Oh, my God. Wow. That's blasphemous, man. Yeah. Mm. As of right now. Yeah. I mean, so that, that could change in two weeks. But as of today, I mean, that's where I have him. It, so you don't have Jokic ahead of Mitchell. No. Bro, Donovan Mitchell, 29.3 points per game. Jason Tatum, 30.9 points per game. Like I said, okay, I, looking at points. The, way, the, way, the way my mind thinks, I'm, I'm thinking like right now, and I'm uh, the heavy part is I'm considering what they're doing this season. And Jason Tatum, I'm looking at this bit, season. This is 2022-2023. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, 8.1 <laughs> rebounds. Donovan Mitchell, 3.9 rebounds. Jason Tatum, 4.1 assists. Donovan Mitchell, 4.8 assists. There are better numbers for Jason Tatum than there's for Donovan Mitchell. You just Mitchell has better more assists than Tatum. You you by point seven. But look he's at the rebounds. He's still points. better. He's still better. Okay, so two out of three big stats he has more of, and Jason Tatum. Two out of three of the biggest stats there is. Those are the... Jason Tatum has more than Donovan Mitchell in two out of the three biggest stats. Are you sure he's not having points per game? Thirty point nine for Jason Tatum. Twenty nine point three for Donovan Mitchell All for right. this season. A, a point, one point a game, pretty much. Yeah, I can say you, you, I, put Jason Tatum. you, you, you yeah. can make the argument. You know, I'll I'll give you the argument with 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 Tatum. I, I, but to me, they're they're neck and neck. I think they can flip back and forth and at any given night. But given his recent seventy one perform point performance, I'm going to give him the the nod right now. That that you know by season's end, that could very much change. I think in the preseason, you know, he would have been way back further from Tatum for sure. But I'm I'm gonna give Mitchell some props, and like I said, I I put this about eighty percent of what they're doing this season, twenty percent of the of their full body work of their career. It's 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 kind of comparing apples to oranges there a little bit because you got guys like LeBron James who've been playing forever, you know, and guys like Mitchell that are kind of these new up and coming guys. So, you know, I I, I didn't want to consider like their whole careers as their as, as the main thing. I'm but as of right now, as of today, as of January third, you know, Mitchell for me is seven. Interesting. Okay, we're gonna do a. I'm gonna come up with a new game. It's a. We're gonna do Would You Rather, like we did with Morant and Williamson. But I don't want any explanation. I just want your initial opinion. 
Uh, you guys can both answer. Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker? Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, John Morant. John. Mitchell. Mitchell, Bradley Beal. Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitchell, Jalen Brown. Oh. Mitchell. I think I want Jalen Brown. Oh. Um. Shit. Okay, I think that's out. The thing that's the best, the best I could think of right now. Off the top of my head, there's other guys where I'm like they don't play the same position. So I was trying to think of you know mostly like guards, but. Hmm. Okay. Damn, that was a good one. Oh, Mitchell, Jimmy Butler. Oh, for sure, Mitchell. Jimmy Butler's kind of washed at this point, man. Yeah, Mitchell. Okay, I'm done. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Uh, one last kind of little uh, topic of conversation here. The uh, Hall of Fame candidates came out um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's like 200 of them between international and um, women's and like executives and teams and all this crap. So we're just going to kind of focus on, <clears throat> I picked like seven kind of big, bigger names. Um, and if the guys want to talk about somebody else, that's fine too. Um, <clears throat> but Dirk Nowitzki um, is a first ballot hall of famer. I, in my opinion, um, potentially the greatest international player of all time thoughts on Dirk. I, uh, I, while Dirk was playing, especially in the 2000 or 2010s, was not a fan because I'm a Lakers fan. Y'all remember what happened with the Lakers and the Mavs? J.J. Beret happened and Dirk Nowitzki went and defeated the Lakers. So that's cool. But, I mean, honestly, like, he developed a different kind of game. He uh, had that little fallaway one-footed jump shot that nobody else can really do. He made that his thing. And the Lakers played the, played the Mavs on Christmas – and there, he had Dirk got his own statue, his one-footed fadeaway jump shot. He was a big man, a seven-footer from Germany. He created the game of the big man who can stretch the, fo- the floor. He pretty much made the stretch four zone. That was all because of him. He changed the game in a good way. And so I definitely agree. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I, he was one of my favorite non-Laker players growing up. Um, I just love watching that dude play. Um, I remember trying to, you know, replicate his, you know, uh, fadeaway jump shot at uh, recess uh, in, in at, at school. Um, that was one of the guys that I remember just, you know, wanting to, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're dreaming to be, you know, the next Dirk Nowinski or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, this dude's awesome. A lot of uh, really, really great uh, international players in this year's Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's only a couple of like <clears throat> legendary kind of moves like Hakeem's shake, um, uh, like Kareem's sky hook and Dirk's kind of fatal, like one footed fadeaway. Like that's kind of just like the thing they do. Um, but I, yeah, Dirk feels like an automatic hall of famer to me. Um, yeah. So Tyler, I think you're kind of referring to your guy, Pau Gasol, who's also, uh, first ballot, I, if I, am I, you know, I think he's probably a step below Dirk. Um, but Pau Gasol is obviously a huge part of those, uh, those back to back Laker championships. Um, so yeah, Ty Pau Gasol thoughts just on him. Um, yeah, and love, candidacy. yeah, I love my boy Pau. Obviously, he came in, you know, kind of after a tumultuous time, you know, with the Lakers, and that, that was when I that was like the peak of my Laker fandom. And you know, Shaq had left, and there was a few years there where it's just it was not very pretty. and you know, Powell was kind of that piece to really make them championship contenders. And they, you know, won back-to-back titles with, with, with Powell there. I loved, loved that guy. I got a, I got a Powell Gasol jersey. Um, so, I mean, he, he was one of my favorite players uh, growing up um, and he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. James, anything on Powell? His passing ability was uncanny. He was able to see the floor and be a very good 1B in situations that he needed to be in. Great teammate, great facilitator. A uh, little soft, in my opinion, but the fact of the matter is he got things done with his great footwork and post moves. And I think he did a lot of good things for Spain as a whole. It wasn't – there's a lot of really good Spanish basketball players nowadays because of Pau. Like, there's a lot of good European basketball players nowadays because of Dirk. Pau brought this to Spain, and Spain is internationally a very good contender because of how good he was. 
Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, if the there's a Redeem team documentary on Netflix and a lot of it, you know, Spain and the US were kind of like the two powerhouses during that that point. And like Pau and Mark Gasol really like carry that carry that team. Um, yeah, like an incredible international international guy. Um, speaking of a player that was on that Redeem team, Dwayne Wade, in my opinion, he's always like kind of been a, a B answer to Kobe. I know they were like a little bit different time frames, but um, you know, I think Kobe like is a sniffs a top 10. Like he may miss on some lists. Um, in my opinion, Kobe's probably a top 10 player. I don't feel like Dwayne Wade really gets there. In my opinion, he's probably still a first ballot hall of famer. Um, I don't, you know, like if LeBron never came to Miami, would he have, would he ever have gotten more than one ring? Kind of doubt it. Uh but what do you guys uh what do you guys think about um Dwayne Wade? I yeah, he I agree with you, Alex, that he is a little step below Kobe. Uh, but then again, most people are. Yeah, and it's really hard to complain compare anybody to Kobe, let alone Dwayne Wade, because Dwayne Wade in his own right was a different kind of animal. You sure. talked about that Redeem Team documentary. In that Redeem Team documentary, D Wade went off, coming back off labor surgery, going in there doing his thing and absolutely dominating when he was supposed to. Uh, He has a killer mentality when he needs to have it. But the thing is, he didn't always need to have it. He had Shaq. He had LeBron. He had Bosh. He had these help people along the way that helped him be what he was, and he didn't have to take that step to be, I'm the guy all the time, giving the ball all the time. Kobe had to go through that, right? So now we see Kobe in this different light that he is the guy because there was a long period of time where there was no Shaq. There was no Powell yet. And he was still the guy. D-Wade never got that opportunity. And by the time that opportunity came, he was riddled with injuries. But we can't forget how dominant he was when he needed to be so. And I I, I truly believe he is a top 16 all-time basketball player. Okay. I mean, he is on the top 75 list. Um, but, yeah, Ty, anything on on Dwayne Wade? Yeah. I mean, I, I really love this, this Hall of Fame class. I mean, just so many iconic – players from when I was growing up when I was like really into the NBA Dwayne Wade was one of those fixtures it's one of those guys that you love watching play um you know he 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 will go down it's definitely one of my favorite uh non-Laker basketball players for sure yeah uh just some kind of other notable ones if you guys want to speak on them go ahead uh Tony Parker Chauncey Billups uh in my mind kind of both those guys are now like even a step below D Wade um, Greg Popovich, which kind of blows my mind. He's not already in there. That must just be some sort of like active head coach, whatever. And then, uh, Greg Popovich's assistant for a long time, Becky Hammond is also up. I hope she gets in. Cause that'd be super cool. Um, but yeah, any, anything on those, on those four, I guess. We got to talk Becky Hammond, man. Talk about breaking barriers, being the first person to do something, being the first person to, to be an NBA assistant and then coach an NBA game. Cause mm-hmm. Pop, which, Pop was ejected a game. She took over. He chose her to be the person who ran the team. So she was an NBA head coach. Breaking barriers. That is huge. Yeah. I hope that she gets, um, I know she's a head coach in the WNBA now. I hope she gets an opportunity to, if if she wants to, if she doesn't, then that's fine too. But like to be an NBA head coach at some point, because I think that'd be really cool. Um, Tyler, anything on those, on those four before we wrap up basketball? Yeah, I, I just, you know, when it comes to hall of fame, I think we're at an age now really across all sports where, you know, it's kind of fun to watch it now. I remember like, I think growing up, you're like, who the hell are these old guys that we didn't talk about? But, you know, I think that just talks about our age too, and that we're starting to get old, but it's a lot of these guys, you know, just growing up, you know, watching sports, you know, and, uh, Tony Parker's another one of the guys and, he, and even Chauncey Phillips, I remember him breaking my heart against the Lakers in the, you know, was that the Oh four finals, I think, or something oh, like that. Yeah, it was horrible, but I definitely remember that name. And, uh, you know, it, it's 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 definitely fun to kind of reminisce on these uh, guys' co- careers now that they're making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, the, the uh, you know, election, whatever, the, the thing will be a little bit later on um, during the summer. But, yeah, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to chit-chat about some of those guys. Um, but, yeah, we are going to take uh, one more break, and then we're going to go back to baseball for a little bit. Um, so we'll be right back.
Welcome back. It has been a hot minute since we've talked. Baseball hot stove is kind of over. Most of the players have been signed or traded for. Tyler, is that what we're talking about? We are. We're talking about all the action that happened in the offseason. Kind of waited, you know, the entire, that's not the entire offseason, but a lot happened usually in uh, December because um, that's when the winter meetings are. And, you know, a lot of things happened. We had it was a very busy and hectic winter meetings. A lot of players uh, moving teams, some some big names coming back to their um, old teams as well. Uh, we are officially past the halfway point of the MLB offseason. So for baseball fans, you know, we're on we're on the uh, downslope for, for the offseason. So that's that's good news. Next month we have spring training games. So that's that's a that's a big deal. So but let's get into kind of the the the, the free agent signings. Um, I'm just going to kind of go over just kind of the, the really big ones. Aaron Judge was like, you know, the top um, um, news story. And there was there was a lot of rumors that he might come to San Francisco. But ultimately, he re-signed with the Yankees. Um, um, Trey Turner, uh, you know, kind of one of the biggest shortstops. He signed an 11-year deal with uh, with Philadelphia. Uh, Dansby Swanson, an, an, another big shortstop, went to the Cubs. Uh, Xander Bogarts went from Boston to San Diego on probably one of the most shocking deals, I would say. Uh, Jacob deGrom left New York, went to uh, Texas. Justin Verlander uh, left uh, Houston and went to uh, the New York Mets. Um, those are just kind of the, the the big ones. And obviously kind of the most dramatic one so far has been the Carlos Correa deal. If you haven't been following it, he did agree initially agree to 11-year deal with the, with the Giants. Um, but then problems with his physical came through. So the Giants decided, eh, we're not going to take a chance on him. Less than 24 hours later, the Mets were like, we'll take him. And then now there's more drama with... The, the medical issue, the latest update that we've gotten is that the Mets still want to sign Korea, but it's probably going to be a different type of deal. Probably won't be that 12 year mega, you know, third, 350 million deal deal that it was. Um, Cause there's, there's, there's some issue um, with his medical history. So um, that's a, certainly the kind of the latest drama there, but we're going to talk kind of the, the teams that we feel may did the best job this off season, the, the, you know, all, all, all those scouts and all those, uh, uh, GMs and everyone involved, you know, making the biggest signing and made the biggest splash in this offseason offseason to improve their team. So we're going to go with our, with our top three. We'll, we'll start at three, work our way up. We'll kind of go around the horn here. So Alex, who do you, who do you have as your third uh, winner of the um, MLB offseason? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I wanted to pick the Mets, but I don't know what's going on with this Carlos Correa deal. Uh, so I'm, they're out. I'm done with them. Uh, so I picked the Rangers. Uh, um, you you get the best pitcher in baseball, assuming health, <clears throat> and even guys like you trade for Odorizzi, you sign Nathan Ivaldi, you get Martin Perez back. Um, you know we obviously saw kind of a changing of the guard in Texas last off season with those mega deals they gave out to Seager and Simeon, and now they're fixing part of the problem they had last year with with their rotation. Um, you know, do I think the Rangers can compete with the Mariners and the Astros? No. But they're going in the right direction. And I like seeing teams, you know, that have gone through this rebuild and have started, you know, turning the round the other direction, going for it. Like, I think that's a good thing in sports in general. Um, I don't know how that DeGrom uh, contract is going to work out towards the back end of it. But if he's healthy for the first three years, it will be worth it in the ticket sales alone. Very, very true. James, who's your third winner of the MLB offseason? I the San Diego Padres. And them signing Xander Bogarts because one of the biggest things they needed, right, was a shortstop because Tatis is still out and Tatis shouldn't be playing shortstop anyway because of his shoulder. So might as well get one of the best shortstops in the market in terms of offensive efficiency and getting the ball well in Xander Bogarts. You then put him at shortstop and move Tatis out to the outfield where he's supposed to be when his suspension is completely finished. I mean, you're looking pretty good. Like Bogarts had a 307 last year, sixth in the MLB. Like he can put the ball in play often you got big names as a, a, on the pitching staff and the rotation like the bullpen you got big names there now they got big names on the field he's got to put it all together and the Padres look pretty damn good yeah that was a, a big one that you know definitely kind of for me kind of came out of nowhere um I, I think that was a great siding fight by San Diego and you know there was a time there where the where the the, the landscape of shortstops in the NL West was really going crazy you know, with, you know, potentially Korea also going to San Francisco, obviously that, that kind of got messed up and Trey Turner leaving the Dodgers. It was, it was quite a huge shift. And I think, I think it still will be, um, but yeah, huge, huge uh, signing there for San Diego to add to an already very good lineup. And, you know, hopefully we'll actually get a more competitive NL West this year. I think we've been kind of begging for that Padres Dodgers kind of back and forth battle. 
you know, I would say, you know, the Padres certainly made significant strides to make that happen. Um, Alex, who do you got? Or sorry, my, my, my number three uh, team of the offseason is the Yankees. Uh, they did re-sign a lot of guys, but I think that's still huge. I think, you know, as a free agent, technically they're they're not on your team. You know, it's it's definitely a big deal to kind of get them back. And obviously getting Aaron Judge and staying in New York, I think is a huge win alone. They also uh, re-signed uh, Anthony Rizzo, who has done a great job in uh, New York at, at, at first base there. And also went out and got another starting pitcher in Carlos Rodon. Um, they look great. You know, I think the Yankees definitely got better this, this, this off season and, and should have, um, a great team heading in, in, into 2023. So let's move on to our number two, uh, winner of this, of the off season. Uh, Alex, who do you got a number two? Yeah, this one might come as a bit of a surprise, but I'm also going with the team in the AL East, but I'm going with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, they, so look, they're top of their rotation with Manoa and Gossman is nasty. Like we saw Manoa kind of kind of faltered a little bit in that in that Mariner series. Um, Gossman was great until the bullpen got blown up. But they traded or they signed Chris Bassett in the offseason. He's a solid, solid number three. You still got Barrios. Hopefully he will kind of come back to his normal self. He had like a pretty rough year last year. And then they got younger and better in the outfield. So they signed Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, you know, he's obviously not much at the plate, but he is still an elite defender. And then they traded for potentially the most underrated player in Major League Baseball in Dalton Barshow. Um, if you look at his like defensive numbers, like he was one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball last year. He can also catch. And they've already had Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. They also add a lefty bat in Varshow and Kiermaier, which kind of helps, um, you know, even out their lineup because they were extremely right-handed heavy, um, you know, getting rid of. And they and then with that, um, Teoscar Hernandez trade to the Mariners, they got some more bullpen help. I just think this Blue Jays team has really like rounded themselves into a more complete team instead of like Guerrero and Bichette just trying to, and Springer trying to just mash everything. And now like another year of Matt Chapman being at third base, I, this Blue Jays team is looking really good, and I think they did it in a way without like potentially screwing up the future for having to give Flatty and Bo like big contracts. So like, dude, Toronto's figuring it out. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they they made a lot of really good, smart kind of under the radar moves that I think will pay off really big um, next season. So I like that pick a lot. Uh, James, who do you got at number two? I also really like that pick. Like that was a good one. I didn't even think about the Toronto Blue Jays because there was like no big name person you know yeah. that was cool I like your um your reasoning there but I have to disagree with you with the New York Mets thing that you said earlier because I have them at number two they lost the Grom yep that's a big deal but they gained Verlander who is a Cy Young winner at 40 years old but he's still showing incredible command it's insane how he's doing this and they got this Japanese guy from he's an ace Kodai Senga which if we've seen anything about Japanese players coming to play in the MLB, it, the results are pretty good. Do I think he's going to be Shohei esque at like on the mound? I don't know, but if he has any like shades of that, if he can be like your three or four guy, that's great. Putting somebody out there like that. And Tyler talked earlier about resigning people. The Mets resigned Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo. Diaz was one of the best close, the best closer maybe, and he had that trumpet thing going on towards the end of the season, which is really, really cool. Um, but keeping that same vibe, that same energy with those two guys coming back shows your team a lot. Like these are some leaders, some veterans that your team needs to have on them. And he, they're, they're still there and bringing a guy like Verlander. Like this is, this is a good looking rotation and everything about this pitching part for the New York Mets. I like a lot. Yeah. I think the Mets also made some, some pretty great moves. Um, at number two though, I have the Texas Rangers uh, Alex had at three, but I'm at two. I I really like what what they did th- this off season. They really made that pitching. I mean, that pitching staff with Degrom, Heaney, and Evaldi. Uh, that's a solid pitching staff. That, that that's going to compete. Um, like I guess it that it, it makes that um, AL West division certainly a lot more intriguing. Kind of adding them into the mix. I'm not saying that they're going to you know surprise everyone and win it because the Astros are still clearly the best team in in, in that division, and the Mariners are going to be there too. But now that Rangers have have some leeway here, and I think they they may be flirting with a wild card next ne- next season. Um, like I, I guess as you mentioned, that lineup has already been pretty good. They're not 
you know, they're, they're still pretty far away from being like true contenders, but they made some huge strides this offseason, especially for that pitching staff. So, like I said, that that pitching staff, if if, if they're healthy, that can be a pretty uh, nasty staff um, with 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 those three uh, signings alone. Um, so let's move on to our top winner of the offseason. Alex, who's your top dog? Yeah, um, the reason I didn't pick the Mets anywhere is because of the age of that rotation. I'm just worried they're all going to break down. Like it's going to happen eventually. Um, this one might come real fast. Sorry, yeah. but let's look at the. You know, Tyler just mentioned the Rangers' top three guys in Degrom, Heaney, and Yavaldi. When's the last time they played a full season? They also get injured often. Yeah. I just think now the Rangers like. With Odorizzi, John Gray, Martin Perez, like I just think they have more depth. Oh and yeah, depth which sure. is crazy to say about the Texas Rangers starting rotation. But uh, I mean, Verlander's forty; he can do whatever he wants. But like, eventually, he's gonna break down. Scherzer, we already saw he missed half the season. Quintana had one good year in the last like seven, and they just give him that deal. Carrasco's not been, you know, the same Carrasco for a long time. And like, you know, Senga could be the future of that team in two years. Yeah. Like, or unfortunately, like Japanese players, like we see the highs of Shohei and the lows of a lot of other guys. So I'm just a little worried about the Mets, but um, okay. So my number one also might come as a little bit of a shock. Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I just, you know, kind of the same thing I was talking about with the Rangers, like <clears throat> The Phillies squeaked into the playoffs. They got hot. They, you know, made it to the World Series. Um, you you now move Bryson Stott from short to second. You get rid of Gene Segura. You put the superstar in Trey Turner um, at short, and that helps kind of soften the blow of Bryce Harper being out for the first six months or so. Um, they signed Taiwan Walker as, like, another back end of the rotation piece, um, which is helpful because they were really top-heavy in that. I think that the Phillies, like – where we looked at them last year as it was Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals played in AAA. Like now I think that Phillies team has really kind of jumped into that upper echelon of teams in the NL East, um, especially like the Braves haven't done a whole bunch this off season. I just told you my ish potential issues with the Mets. So like that three headed beast at the top of the NL East is going to be wild. Yeah, I think NL East going into this is this this year is definitely the best division in baseball. So, and the Phillies definitely got better, which is crazy because you know, like as you said, they made the World Series last year, um, you, and and they're going to get better. Trey Trey Turner, I'm going to miss you, but uh, good luck in Philly, uh, James. Who do you got as your top winner of the offseason? You guys know how uh, Alex has a crush on Jeff Carter. You know that's pretty yeah. good, right? Jeff Carter, super hot. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I have a trust on Trey Turner, man. And so definitely, Alex, I 100% agree with everything you said. I, that John Hamm thing that he had going on, like, (laughs) mind blown. So everything about the whole Phillies bringing Trey Turner thing, I love, right? Because they did have a lot of defensive miscues in the infield because they were young and just inexperienced. You bring a guy like Trey Turner in there, that potentially all gets fixed. And you're having a great bat to your lineup. You're adding speed to your lineup. You're adding defensive prowess to your lineup. A leader to your lineup. That's just on the field, man. And he's an everyday player. Like You can't go wrong putting this guy on the team. And especially a team that kind of figured it out towards the back end there and made that World Series run. Adding such an instrumental piece gives you that much more of a boost. I, everything that they did in bringing in Trey Turner, I love 100%. And I definitely think the Philadelphia Phillies won this offseason. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pick. Um, I'm going to go a little kind of against what you guys are saying with my top dog. I actually am going to pick the Mets as, as the winners of the offseason. They've made, they spent so much money the, the, the last few years and they just keep doing it. Um, bringing in a guy like Justin Verlander, um, you know, I, I would say arguably he's probably more durable than DeGrom is. Um, I know Verlander kind of towards the end of the season, you know, uh, or Ver, yeah, uh, Verlander towards the end of the season had, had some issues, but um, DeGrom, is, I just feel like he misses at least a month or two every single year. Verlander, for the most part, other than, you know, the Tommy John he had a couple years ago, has been pretty consistently, like, in a, a rotation. Um, even though he's getting older and that, you know, comes with more injuries, I like that move, actually, over DeGrom if you're going to flip-flop him. I know that's kind of a little bit... Um, 
uh, controversial probably, but I do like that move a lot. The Carlos Correa deal, you know, if it, you know, I, I think hopefully, I think they'll probably change it a little bit, but that still adds another, another huge bat to that lineup. That's already super great. Um, I think they needed more depth in, in that lineup and they certainly got it with, uh, with Correa Edwin Diaz coming back is, is huge for them. Uh, you know, with, you know, arguably the best closer in baseball. Um, and you got, uh, Jose Quintana to add to that rotation. You bring in David Robertson, uh, to, to, to add to that bullpen. Um, and then bringing back Brandon Nimmo, I think is also another huge move for them. So they really went out and they really secured this team and they really don't really have a whole lot of weaknesses. Um, you know, like I said, you can always play the injury card. I think every team is going to deal with injuries here and there. Um, so I think that's, that's uh, for this particular purpose, it's kind of hard to predict, you know, you could, you could see Verlander and Scherzer have a both play, you know, pitch full seasons, you know, make 20 plus starts and, you know, they're both top like one, two in the Scion, like that could easily happen. Um, so, but for me, the Mets just made the the biggest splashes, the the biggest signings. Um, and I think they're, they're, I, they're spending a whole, a whole lot of money. I think they've, I think I'm pretty sure the, the, the top pay, uh, payroll in baseball um, going into this season. So um, certainly a huge change in the garden that certainly in the national league, but uh, what do you guys think? Let us know, you know, kind of what your guys' picks for the best winners of the offseason are a lot of moves being made a lot, a lot of big names, changing teams. I think that was kind of like, for me, the biggest takeaway um, of this offseason so far, just a lot, a lot of big names, changing teams other than really Aaron judge was kind of the only guy that kind of um, stayed put. Um, so like I said, we're halfway through the MLB offseason. Uh, spring training is right around the corner, you guys. But, you know, this probably will be my last baseball segment until we start doing previews again, probably in, you know, early February time-ish around that time. So um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys are looking forward to some baseball soon. Uh, but that's all I got. All right, Ty. Yeah, thanks. I mean, shit could still go down for sure. Trades could still happen. There are still some free agents out there. So, um, yeah, it will be fun to see what happens. But uh, obviously trading is not here. So we are all done. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 130. Um, I don't know Ooh. if I said it, I got all distracted. Uh, cause they're just, they're just so cute on here. Um, I hope everyone had a good holiday, happy new year, all the good things. I hope you've already hit your, or started your 2023 resolutions. If not, who gives a shit? Uh, have a good week guys. We will see you next time. Bye.